0: Good morning everyone I'll be reading from Luke chapter 1 verses 39 through 45 in those days Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth and when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and she exclaimed with a loud cry blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Scotty, my brother. And you may be seated. You already are. Never mind. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Disciples Church. It is great to see you as always. We are incredibly glad that you have joined us in worship. My name is Dave Hahn, and I'm one of the pastors here at Disciples Church, and it is my privilege to open God's Word with and for you this morning. So in 2006, I spent three weeks in the Democratic Republic of Congo on a mission trip, about two and a half, three weeks. And that trip was filled with experiences that I have not had before or since. One standout was our entrance into Congo. Originally, we were supposed to take a bus from Uganda, which is ultimately where we flew into, into Congo, but rebels who would have wanted to do us harm were spotted along the way, and they knew that ahead of time, and so they chartered a plane, and we flew in that way. I emphasize there the word plane and use it in place of jet intentionally. If you've ever seen Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, our plane looked a lot like the one that Indy jumped out of in a raft before it crashed into a mountain, very much like that. It was loud. There was cargo netting everywhere, holding our suitcases and our gatherings together. The pilots were visible. When do you fly where the pilots are visible? And there was no in-flight service. None. None. So as we began to descend into Congo, I noticed goats all over the dirt runway that we were supposed to land on. The pilot saw them too, and he swooped down close enough to clear the goats off the runway, and then he circled back up, swooped back around, and then we landed again. As we approached the terminal, terminal... We heard the muffled sounds of goats and a brass band version of When the Saints Go Marching In. And when the plane door opened, there they were, the goats that once stood on the dirt runway, along with a live Congolese brass band playing When the Saints Go Marching In for us, speechless. I turned and looked at one of my friends and I said, am I hallucinating right now? So I think each of us have had experiences that few others can relate to, that's certainly one of mine. And some of them are great and others not so much, either way those kinds of experiences tend to bond the people who share them in a very unique way. And so while my story may sound unreal or even amusing to you, the people who made that trip with me understand it completely, and they know that it's true. And that is a bond that we have and always will share. Today's passage, as Scotty read it for us, is the story of two beloved women of God marked by profound differences incredible similarities, and a deep love and respect for one another. And through it all, they shared a bond that no one and nothing could break. Now, we're going to jump around a little bit in Luke 1 this morning, so if you have your Bible or if you have your Bible app, you can go ahead and open it to that chapter in general because we'll be outside of the passages that we read this morning and that way you're going to be able to see in full ultimately what I'm going to try to highlight to give us context. Elizabeth's story, she is one of those beloved women. Her story is found in Luke 1 verses 5 through 25. And she was from the hill country in Judah. It doesn't say specifically what city, but it was just south of Jerusalem. Jerusalem. And she was married to a priest named Zechariah. Both she and Zechariah, according to Scripture, were called righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. Elizabeth was barren or unable to have children, perhaps because both she and Zechariah were considered advanced in years. And based on Zechariah's deep surprise and unbelief at hearing of Elizabeth's pregnancy, it's likely that Elizabeth was about 60, maybe as high as 70 to 80 years old. Long past childbearing age, which is why Zechariah responded the way that he did. And one day, when Zechariah's priestly division was on duty, he was chosen by Lot the scripture says to enter the temple and perform his priestly duties with god there is no coincidences my friend and while in the temple the angel gabriel appeared to zechariah zechariah like many who had approached or had been approached by angels fell in fear at the sight of him and gabriel said do not be afraid your prayer has been heard elizabeth will have a son and you shall call him john Gabriel then gave further detail as to who John would be, what he would do, and how he was to be raised. But Zechariah, according to Scripture, struggled to believe all this due to not only his age, but the age of Elizabeth. And as a result of his unbelief, he was struck mute, unable to speak until the day that these things were fulfilled And after these days, the Bible says, Elizabeth did conceive, believing that God had done this miraculous thing both in and for her. And then we have the story of Mary. Mary's story is found in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38, so immediately following the passage we just read. Now, Mary was from Nazareth, which is just north of Jerusalem, and she was engaged to Joseph, a carpenter. The Bible says that the Lord was with her, and then in Matthew 1, verse 19, the Bible says that Joseph is considered righteous. Mary was a virgin, never having been with a man, and was likely 13 to 14 years old. The angel Gabriel appeared to her, and she was both confused and afraid at what the angel told her. Do not be afraid. You have found favor with God. You will bear a son. Call his name Jesus. And she, too, was given further detail as to who Jesus would be and what he would do. Mary asked for further clarification from Gabriel as to how all of this would come to be, and she was told that it would be the work of the Holy Spirit in her. She was then told of her relative Elizabeth, who, though old and barren, was already six months pregnant, and Mary believed the angel and dedicated herself as a willing servant of the Lord. So even in this high-level overview of these two women's stories, the similarities are both striking and somewhat obvious. Both found favor in the sight of God. Both were without child. Both were visited by the angel Gabriel. Both were told by Gabriel as to what would happen to them, who their sons would be, and what to name them, and then how God's Spirit would do in them what could not be done otherwise. And finally, both believed what they were told, and they were glad servants of the Lord. But the differences, even as we listen to those similarities, those differences between them are also plain to see. Elizabeth was old, relatively speaking, and had long been married but was unable to have children. Though she desperately wanted to have them based on her response in verse 25 of Luke 1. You can tell that this was the desire of her heart and God had fulfilled it in a way that she could not have imagined. Whereas Mary was a teenage virgin girl engaged to be married who had never been in a position to have children and had probably not considered motherhood as yet in her life. Elizabeth was to give birth to the forerunner to the Son of God, the greatest prophet that the world had known, whereas Mary was to give birth to the Son of God himself. Outside of the usual means of conception, God would be the father of her son by the power of the Holy Spirit. Incredible similarities and incredible differences So with that background, let's look again at today's passage, which really picks up just after Mary's encounter with the angel Gabriel. Verse 39 and 40. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. I think it is commonly taught, at least this has been my understanding for a long time, that Mary and Elizabeth were cousins. But actually, the Greek word used here is a word that means generically kinsman or relative. And based on their age and their differences in family lineage, it is not entirely clear nor is it really honestly important as to how they were related, just that they were related. Verse 39 says that Mary arose and went without haste to visit Elizabeth. That is an interesting detail to include, isn't it? That Mary arose in these days and went without haste. Why such a sudden and excited departure? Well, to help answer that question, let's try and put ourselves in Mary's shoes for just a minute. Let's consider what she had experienced. An angel of God appeared and spoke directly to her, giving her an extraordinary message. Consider what she'd been told, that she, a virgin girl from Nazareth, was going to give birth to God's Son, Israel's long-awaited and foretold Messiah. Consider what was about to happen to her. How does one carry in her womb, God's son? How does one raise the Savior of the world? She must have had a million questions and a million concerns. Why me? How will I do this? What will I tell my parents? What will I tell my future husband, Joseph? Will anyone believe this story? Remember, it had been 400 years or more since anything like this had ever happened. God had not spoken, angels had not appeared, and miracles did not happen. For 400 years, at least 14 generations, all of these things stopped. So, how much more incredible must these things have appeared to Mary and Elizabeth? Not just that they were happening, but that they were happening to them. We haven't heard of this in 400 years, and now it's happening to us. Could this be true? So, in considering all of these things, there was likely one person who came to mind for Mary. It is not clear in Scripture as to whether or not Mary had told anyone else her news, but she needed someone who would not only believe her but understand her, someone who had experienced something very, very similar. She needed her relative Elizabeth, and I think that that is why Gabriel mentioned Elizabeth to Mary in the first place, planting that seed. So Mary and Elizabeth, upon seeing one another and hearing each other's stories, would likely feel a great sense of affirmation that all they had been told and all that about was about to happen to them was actually true. You really are pregnant. And so, as fast as she could, Mary traveled the estimated 80 to 100 miles, a three-to-four-day trip, to see Elizabeth. Verse 41. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. So as Mary entered Zechariah and Elizabeth's home, Elizabeth's son, John the Baptist, leapt for joy in his mother's womb. And as we all know, a child moving in its mother's womb is not unusual. It's actually one of the most thrilling, life-affirming things about pregnancy for both a mom and a dad. And this movement gets more pronounced as time goes on to the point where you start to see elbows and feet and hands pushing forth in the mother's stomach. There's really nothing quite like it. Now, Mary was newly pregnant and would likely not experience that kind of movement for a little while. But not so for Elizabeth. She was at least six months in. And according to verse 41, John is not simply kicking or squirming inside his mother. He's leaping. So that must have been fun for Elizabeth. And his leap came on the heels, according to Scripture, of Mary's greeting, that too is no coincidence. Now, does it, as you read these verses, does it feel as though there is something missing? According to the, what we've read, as soon as Mary arrived, they started blessing each other and seemingly said nothing about the experiences they've had and the things that they have been told. Does that surprise anyone else? Well, I dug into what I consider a conundrum and arrived at what I think is a decent explanation at what appears to be missing. I think it's important for us to understand the word greeting here is something more than the word hello. She didn't just bound into the house and go, Elizabeth, or hi. That's likely how we read it, right? where she came in and there was a greeting that it was just a general hello. Well, it's important to remember that in this time and place, a greeting likely involved some kind of physical embrace and then a general inquiry as to how the other had Ben, And so very likely in the context of this greeting, they each had shared each other's stories, potentially spending hours catching up regarding their incredible news, sharing all the details of their encounters and the words that Gabriel had for them, recognizing the extraordinary similarities in their stories, and then confirming for one another that this was really happening. And all of that may very well be what we find wrapped up in one word, greeting. So John, inside Elizabeth's womb, leaps for joy at all of this. That sounds like John, doesn't it? He, by all accounts and indications, spent his entire life pretty excited about Jesus. And as one who could not yet speak and was confined to a womb, perhaps this was his way of expressing his joy at hearing Mary's voice at knowing they were talking about Jesus. Supernaturally, John was given some kind of understanding as to who his mother was speaking to and what it is that they were talking about. And God wanted both Elizabeth and Mary to know how miraculous this all was. And so John leaped for joy within the womb, a physical manifestation of something that the Spirit had done. And Elizabeth filled with the Holy Spirit, exclaims in a loud cry. Don't let that part get lost on you. A loud cry. Words of blessing to the mother of God's son. Now to be filled with something means there is no room for anything else. So for Elizabeth to be filled with the Spirit meant that she was under total control of the Spirit of God. Do you remember Simeon from two weeks ago? that what he did and what he said was governed by God's Spirit as it came upon him. And so these words of Elizabeth in verses 42 through 44 are not her words, but they are the very words of God from God's Spirit to Mary, to her child, and to we who believe through Elizabeth's testimony. The Holy Spirit speaks these words to Mary. the child, and to us who read it. So do you remember also two weeks ago when we talked about there being five hymns of praise and thanksgiving in the first two chapters of Luke? Well, this is one of those five hymns. And it begins, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. You are most blessed, Mary, Elizabeth is saying, because of this child within you who is also most blessed. Blessing like this has not been. And Mary's blessedness, just like all blessedness, centers around the person of Jesus. Mary was most blessed because of who her son was. Just as John the Baptist was the greatest among men because of who he was born to proclaim. Just as we are blessed because it is Jesus who indwells us, even as we belong to him. We are blessed only because it is Jesus who blesses. It has nothing to do with us, but with Jesus. So we need to be careful, my friends, in making too much of Mary or making too much of John or the disciples or any other character in Scripture. Jesus alone is God and is worthy of praise. He alone is our Redeemer and our salvation. And everyone else who preceded Him or was used by Him or proclaims Him is a mere reflection of His reality. It's a complicated idea because of the dual nature of Christ being fully man and fully God. And there's so much mystery in how Jesus could be both. But the Bible is clear that he is. And Mary is the mother of Jesus, the man who is also God. But she is not the mother of God. She is not the mother of God. Friends, God doesn't have a mother because he has always existed. He was not born. He was not conceived as we were. And Mary, just like you and me, needed the salvation that her son would die and rise again to give. Verse 43, and why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Friends, Elizabeth demonstrates incredible humility here. She made much of a much younger girl old enough to be her granddaughter and did the same to the unborn child within her. I am blessed, she said, and so is the child within me, but not the way that you and your child are. That's what Elizabeth is saying to Mary here. And perhaps she exhibited the greatest humility in how she referred to Mary's unborn child. She called him, my Lord. And why is it granted to me that the mother of my Lord, this unborn child, should come to me? Elizabeth realized that this child wasn't just a new relative in her family, but that this child was God. And not just any God, but that he was her God. And that is the greatest blessing of all. But my friends, the blessing of knowing Jesus as Lord as Lord and God was not just for Mary, and it wasn't just for Elizabeth. Let's finish up in verses 45. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. The translation of the Bible called the message says it this way, Blessed woman who believed what God said, believing every word would come true. Blessed is she is how this verse begins in the ESV. And certainly this blessing applied to Mary. But it's really a blessing for anyone of whom it is said they believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to them from the Lord. Is that true of you? That you believe that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to you from the Lord? This verse reminds me of the Beatitudes which are filled with general blessings to all those who would hear and believe. And true blessing, my friends, be assured, is found in both. Hearing and believing. That is where blessing is found. And there are many who have heard the gospel story of Jesus' birth, life, death, and resurrection, but there are infinitely fewer who have believed and lived according to the good news. So you have heard this morning. Have you truly believed? You have heard, but have you believed? Disciples Church, I think today's passage has at least two things for us to know, believe, and apply to our lives first, what it means to be blessed by God, and second, how to rightly respond to God's blessings. Both Mary and Elizabeth are incredible examples of women who exhibited great faith in God and as such were blessed by God. God spoke to them, He performed unequaled miracles in them, and they believed Him. And as such, they were blessed. They heard and experienced things no one else in history had ever or will ever hear or experience. They were visited by a heavenly being few others had ever seen. They trusted, walked by faith in God, obeyed God, and worshiped God through all of it. Mary and Elizabeth, as we know, were family. And each had a deep faith in love for and obedience to God. And both would experience a true miracle of God in their wombs. But as we discussed early on, the roles that each would play in and through who they would give birth to would differ greatly. And so it is with all of us. They both experienced incredible miracles, but the roles that they would play would differ greatly. Friends, through faith in Christ, we all have become fellow workers and members of God's family, members of God's harvest, God's building, and God's body. And just as every child is unique. And every sprout that grows has variance. Just as every brick has a purpose and every part of the body is indispensable, you and I must embrace the gifts, the roles, and the blessings that God has given us. And like Mary and Elizabeth say to God, Thus the Lord has done for me. Let it be according to your word. You have done this for me. Let it be according to your word. My friends, you and I have to stop resenting God and one another when we find ourselves struggling with jealousy and envy and covetousness. When we compare ourselves to others as it relates to how God has blessed us and how God has gifted us believing our blessings and gifts to somehow be less. Because whenever we enter into that way of thinking, we will either idolize or dismiss our brother and sister. And we will mock God rather than worship Him. And worse than all of that, we will make ourselves to be God instead of Him. Saying, God, I don't think you know what you're doing here. I deserve what they have, not them. Why don't you love me as you love them? Why didn't you give me that blessing, gift, role, or responsibility instead of them? Brothers and sisters, we need to get our eyes off of ourselves. We need to get our eyes off of each other. And we need to get our eyes onto Jesus. Asking God to remove the entitlement, jealousy, and self-righteousness within us. And in his grace, replace those things with a deep sense of gratitude and humility for what we do have and how we have been gifted. My friends, fulfill your ministry your ministry, and live your life, not someone else's. The baby in Elizabeth's womb, John the Baptist, grew up to speak these words in the wilderness. After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. And this was a man of whom Jesus said, of of, women born, of those born of women, there is none greater. And John said again, you yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. The Father loves the Son, and he has given all things into his hand. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God remains on him. Disciples Church, like Elizabeth, like her son John, and like Mary, Jesus' mother, our message and our calling is a simple one. That Jesus is the Son of God the Father. That he is the Christ and we are his saved. He is the bridegroom as we are his bride. And as such, we must decrease as he increases. That's what we see in the story of Elizabeth and Mary. God has come to be with us in the person of his son Jesus. That is why he is called Emmanuel, God with us. And in him, unto those who believe in him and obey him, is eternal life. But for those who do not believe, for those who will not receive him by faith, John says that the wrath of God remains. So do not let God's wrath be your story, my friends. Turn to him for the redemption that he came to give, to Jesus who bore God's wrath on the cross so that you and I would not have to. Believe him for it. Love him for it. Worship him for it. My friends, today you have heard the good news. The same news that Gabriel shared with Mary and Elizabeth. The same news that Elizabeth's son would grow up to proclaim. And the same news that Mary's son Jesus, our Lord, would fulfill and accomplish in full. So ask yourself today. Ask yourself today, do I believe every word of it as Mary did? Have I leapt for joy at the sound of it as John did? And have I blessed and worshiped God because of him? Jesus came to earth to rescue sinners and to reconcile them to God. And he came to us because we would have never come to him. We would have never done it. Jesus is the what and the why of Christmas. And that's where we are headed this Friday, my friends. I can't wait. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we lift our hearts, minds, and voices to you in worship. We offer our bodies as living sacrifices because you alone are worthy of it. We thank you this morning for your holy word and for your spirit, which reminds us and teaches us all that you have said. We praise you for the faith that you have given us as you did to Mary and Elizabeth, your servants and beloved daughters. May we respond to you as they did, willing to be who you would have us be and to do what you would have us do. Only you can make it so in us, Lord. You have blessed us richly, but no more than in the gift of your beloved Son, Jesus, God with us. May we fix our eyes on him alone, rejoicing for all we are and all we have in him. Then, having found our deepest satisfaction in him, let us rejoice in what you do and have done in our brothers and sisters in Christ. Stir our hearts with such joy in Jesus that others would be blessed by us would hear about him from us and would come to know and love him through us. By your spirit, for your glory, and in Jesus' name we ask and pray. Amen.